Of course, uh, many of you know that our family had some unexpected events take place about a week or so ago. So we had a different approach to our Christmas this year. Namely, if you're a guest with us today, a week ago yesterday, last Saturday, uh, long story short, I ended up in the ER with some strange stuff going on in here. And at noon on last Saturday, they decided, they, the doctors decided I needed some stents put in my, some, I, I don't know, some coronary stuff, I don't know, whatever it's all called. Y'all, some of you have done this before, you have more information than I have about it, but nonetheless, it's proved to be an interesting week. And I want to thank you for your prayers. That Brian, thanks for filling in, at, literally at the drop of a hat, and saying, uh, you've got about two hours to prepare a message on shepherds, go for it. And... Uh, <laughs> So uh, I appreciate your prayers uh, for uh, our family and particularly for me over the last few days. It's been an interesting journey, I'm sure, with some things yet to learn and to figure out, but I appreciate your prayers. This morning, I want to spend some time with you looking at Scripture and to set up the, uh, to kind of get, get some thinking about that, I want to ask if you recognize this melody. Recognize it so far? <laughs> Carol, right? What are the words? Gloria in excelsis Deo, right? And we've sung it probably a number of times. You've heard it a number of times throughout the uh, season. And I would like to ask you this. Any idea what the words mean? We just know it's Christmas. I, I, I'm asking that because... Um, I'm reminded of children when they hear the story of Christmas, that they don't always understand what's being said. Gloria in excelsis Deo means this, glory in the highest to God. In other words, uh, where, wherever there's something or wherever there's nothing in the highest places, in the far reaches of space and beyond there, glory to God. That's what it means. It's what the angels declared as Jesus was being, um, as Jesus was born and as they were talking with the shepherds and everything. We're going to look at that this morning. And it's kind of got me wondering about kids and how they respond to what we typically do at Christmas. I, do they fully understand? Here, here's the case in point. When I was about seven or eight years old, I can't remember the details, but for some reason or other, I was expected to memorize the 23rd Psalm. Some of you may have had to do that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green. King James English, of course. And so I remember doing that and getting all the way to the end of that and having some questions in my mind about what, what on earth it meant because suddenly I have an aunt by the name of Shirley and Shirley ended up in the Psalm because it goes, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I remember being a little, more, little boy going, what's with Aunt Shirley being in the psalm? And why is she going to follow me around all the days of my life? I don't really know that I want that. I remember thinking that. Well, Shirley, she, we, we lived in a little town called Katoomba. They lived in Dubbo, out in the outback of Australia. And I mean, it was, it was a long way away. How is she going to get to Katoomba to, to watch over me and to follow me? The whole thing was nuts. Well, I want you to see a video this morning from one of the little guys in our congregation. Garrett Verhicke is a six-year-old. He has a twin brother, and uh, he's really into, um, well, you're just going to love this video. It's kind of like Saturday Night Live and Sunday School mixed together. 
if you can imagine that. And he's telling the story of Christmas. When I say Saturday Night Live, you guys remember when they used to do the cheers and had these adults who were doing cheerleader stuff and how, well, I want you to enjoy his life and his enthusiasm and his wonderful, listen to how well he knows the story of Christmas. But when he gets to the angels, he gets a little bit confused as to what they said. Enjoy the video. six-year-old catches the story, may not understand all the words, but then some of us here this morning didn't know what Gloria in excelsis Deo means either, do we? We don't understand what the angels were saying. Can, can we take a look at that and see if what we can learn today using, I mean, Garrett, I just love it. Today, today, it's great stuff. Jesus is born today. Luke chapter two, if you'll join me there, please. You'll find a pew Bible in the, in the rack in front of you if you don't have a Bible with you. And some page numbers on the screen. Luke chapter two, verse eight, we read this. There were shepherds living out on the fields nearby. This is right after Jesus is born. Okay, Luke chapter two, verse eight. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Let me tell you, if I'm out in the dark with sheep and an angel shows up, I'm a little bit afraid too, okay? All right? I remember being out in the dark in Africa one time 
And these eyes are peering at me and the, 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 the Africans had told us, watch for hyenas at night. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, oh my. I would, was looking for an angel right about then, but there you go. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is, the, he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So they've, they've met one angel, and then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they go off and they meet Mary and Joseph and they see the baby. And we have this tremendous, wonderful verse where you've got Mary, the mother of Jesus, kind of collecting all these thoughts. And it says that she ponders them in her heart, begins to put it all together. And then verse 20, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. (laughs) So, over the last few weeks, what we've been doing, and you may notice something here this morning, if I can point it out to you. We have been gathering at the nativity scene. We started with Mary, then we added Joseph, we added the shepherds last week, we added Jesus on on, uh, on Christmas Eve, we've got the angels today. You may notice that as we've been gathering this scene to around us, we've been adding these characters to the cast, if you will, and there's still a set of characters that are still not with us yet. If you look at the nativity scene, who is missing that might give you a clue that we're going to look at next week? But for today, who's missing? Wise man, ah, okay, that may show up next week then, that all right? So, but for today, let's talk about the angels. The angels who join the cast of characters in great, this great big drama, what do we know about them? Well, we know they sang Gloria in excelsis Deo or whatever that would be in the language of angels. We know that they appeared all the way throughout Jesus' birth story. Think about it. Angels everywhere. You got Zechariah. Do you remember who Zechariah was? Zechariah was, um, by, by marriage, Zechariah was Mary's second cousin-in-law. If you, that's a, Mary had a cousin by the name of Mary who was considerably older than she was. Mary's a teenage girl, 15, 17 years of age. And she had an older cousin by the name of Elizabeth who was past menopause and had never had children. And Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, assumed they'd never have kids. Until one day, an angel appears to Zechariah and says, your your wife's going to have a baby, and you're going to name him John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. And then an angel comes along and appears to Mary and says, your cousin Elizabeth in her old age is going to have a baby, and now you're going to have a baby. It's going to be by divine conception. And then an angel appears to the angel Gabriel, He's named, actually. He appears to, um, to Joseph, and Joseph learns that he's going to be an adoptive father, that he's going to take care of this child that is born somehow or other and conceived somehow or other to his fiancée. And then the baby is born, and there are angels that appear in the sky and appear to the shepherds. What's with all the angels? What's with all the angels? What do we know about them? Well, the angels are seen throughout the Bible. We, we know that they appear um, 
In the story of, if you will, of God's cosmos, Scripture tells us that angels were created somehow or other uh, before the creation of the earth and before human history. We know that they have a variety of different names, and, and in Scripture, there's some of them known as spirits, or cherubim and seraphim, sons of God, the heavenly host. That's what they're named right here. We also even know some of their personal names. For example, we know that one was named Michael. Remember that? One was named Gabriel, and one was named Lucifer. Kind of three archangels originally in heaven, and that... Lucifer became known as Satan. So these are real beings. They are not just um, symbols, if you will, of another reality. No, they're real beings. And I need to tell you, not all of them are good either. At all. As a matter of fact, what we know from Scripture is that apparently Satan, or Lucifer as he was called, then got involved in a rebellion. He wanted to overthrow God. There was a coup d'etat. He lost it, but in the coup d'etat, he had about a third of the angels of heaven join with him. And consequently, as that coup d'etat wound down and they lost the battle, then um, moving forward in time, some of those angels were cast into a prison and they are there today. Some were left to roam the earth and are still around waiting to be cast into prison. We think maybe sometimes you could call those demons. I'm not certain. There's theology back and forth on that. But we do know this. It's a losing battle on their sake. Look what it says in Revelation. Revelation chapter 12 says that war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. So you've got this war between two groups of angels. He, the dragon, was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. But it's not all good. We think of angels as being good, benevolent. Some are, but apparently some are not. Some are involved in evil. Others, though, are involved in good. We have great stories in scripture of where angels came along and helped out people who were people of God who were in desperate settings. For example, think of the story of Moses. Moses is a Jewish man living as, um, along with his fellow Jews, if you will, as slaves. It's a long story, but you know, the, maybe some of you know some, the ins and outs of it. And an angel appears to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to lead your fellow Jews out of slavery. You've been slaves for 400 years. We think there are about a million slaves in Egypt at the time. We want, I want you to lead them out, and Moses takes on that responsibility. So they leave, and they get to the, to the promised land, and things take place, and then an angel appears to a guy by the name of Gideon and says, Gideon, I want you to lead the army of the Israelites to fight against the Philistines, your enemies. And one of those people who fought against them was a, a man by the name of Samson. And Samson was this strong guy who, again, an angel had appeared to his parents and said, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a very strong son, strong man, and he's going to show the ways in which people, fellow Israelites, can be engaged in battle against the Philistines. So you have this business of angels coming to help people. You also have angels offering continual praise to God. As a matter of fact, 600 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah saw this vision. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, we read this. Next screen, guys. There you go. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. 
And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim. That's one of the names of angels. And they'd not just got two wings. We have these, you know, this picture of angels with two wings, but the description is this way. Each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And what were they doing? They were calling to one another as they're going round and round the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Later on in scripture, when you get to the very end of scripture, and the apostle John writes about what it's going to be like at the end of time as we know it. He talks about thousands upon thousands, and then he goes, no, not thousands upon thousands, but 10,000 upon 10,000 angels, all circling the throne of God, worshiping the Father and Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Scripture has lots of discussion about angels. It even has discussions that it would help us answer this question. Are angels here today? Or is it just something that happened in the past? Like after Jesus was born and, and the angels sang in the heaven, did they go away? Did they? Well, take a look at this. We cannot say they are not here. Hebrews chapter 12 has this interesting comment. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I'm looking for strangers today. Any guests with us today? Are you an angel by any chance? I don't know, but I do know this. The focus isn't on the angels per se in that passage of scripture. It tells us a little bit about angels, but the focus there is on the fact that the audience of Hebrews is responsible to be people of hospitality because in the midst of hospitality, you may entertain angels. How are you doing in that, by the way? How's that going for you? When, you get, when we gather here on the weekends, do we just kind of hang with our own circles and the, own people, the people we know, and we go, well, ah, there's that awkward thing. I don't know if I've met those before. I, I, that person, they look new, but maybe they've been, it's just a big church now and I don't know everybody. No, you don't know everybody, but neither do I and neither do they. How well are we doing with hospitality? We should be people who are gracious hosts at all times. Because in doing so, Scripture tells us we might meet a real angel. Hmm. Let, let me ask you one other question or and, and give you another thought here today about this whole thing. An observation for your thinking. Apparently, we know from Scripture that some angels rebelled against God which would indicate that they have free will. They can choose to obey God, choose to disobey God. In other words, they are not robots, they are not machines, but apparently part of their lives can be out of sync with God's plan. So in that way, they might be like us. I don't know if grace applies to them through the work of Jesus Christ. We don't see anything like that written in scripture, but I do know that they apparently are like us or we are like them and that they can get broken and we can get broken. Humans are broken. You've heard a little bit about that already this morning from Lacey and you'll hear about it yet later this evening, throughout um, at the end of the message today. We get broken with issues in our lives. 
relationships can get broken. I mean, not only just marriages, but just relationships between family members or between friends, between co-workers. And, and you, have you ever experienced where you work like the dickens to make certain that that relationship goes right? And I mean, you're very guarded with your words because you know that other person seems to fly off the handle very quickly. Maybe you fly off the handle very quickly. And so you're, you're constantly saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on this relationship. And yet it still goes awry. And you go, what's with that? How come it's so broken? We have problems in other ways in which we're broken. We're broken with self-control. We want to do this and we can't. The Apostle Paul put it this way. I want to do this, but I always end up doing that. In the midst of doing that, I say, I don't want to do that. And yet I keep doing that. And he goes, it's nuts. Absolutely nuts. I get it. You get it. I have confusion and questions. I think most adults have questions about their sexuality. I'm not ter terms of ter in terms of gender-based, but I'm talking about just how it all works. And ooh, I don't have it all figured out yet. And I'm supposed to be, I'm post-pubescent, I'm supposed to have it all figured out. And we don't, do we? And then we have problems in our families. And we have, and some of you even here today, you've got, you've got some grief that seems to go on without end. You know, Easterlings, I know you guys are dealing with some difficult stuff with mom's death in the last couple of days. But for, and, you know, I want to honor you guys for being here with us today. But there are other people in the room as well who, you know, a loved one died years ago. Or maybe it was the, the loss of a dream and the grief is just, I mean, you've kind of walked around it and you get past it a little bit, but like me trying to get past this, but then you can't, uh, it's just there all the time. It feels broken. And the only way you deal with it is you kind of let scar tissue form. A dream is gone. Well, here's some good news, friends. This is what the angel said. That in the midst of Jesus' arrival, we get to learn of God's grace. And our understanding is this, that as imperfect as we are, as messed up as we are, as grace-covered people we are, we too can worship, and we too can go. Isn't that a lovely melody? Hear it today. covers us. In all of our mess up, our understanding of our lives is places where there are lots of brokenness. But in the midst of that, we get to join with the angels and come to the nativity scene to the divine baby and worship God Almighty. We need God's grace. Now, as I say that, may I remind you that to be very careful when it comes to this whole angel business, don't treat the subject too lightly by any means. Well, that's just Wayne going on. No, be careful. Because Scripture tells us that God works through angels for dispensing both good and judgment. I like the good business. 
I want to avoid the judgment. Revelation chapters 8 and 9 puts this picture where angels are blowing on seven different trumpets at seven different intervals. And each trumpet signifies a new judgment that's coming upon humanity. And by the time you get to Revelation 15, all this is in the future. By the time you get to Revelation 15, you have approximately one-third of humanity dying, dead, because of their unwillingness to serve God. And that judgment is metered out by angels. It's a little bit worrisome, isn't it? Makes you want to go, hey, angels, stay away from me. Well, let me remind you, we don't pray to angels. We pray to God alone. In the nativity scene, there was only one divine character, only one divine cast member of this great cosmic drama, namely Jesus Christ. He was the divine one, not the angels. So when we think about angels, may I issue some cautions. It's incorrect to pray to angels, and it's also incorrect to pray to your deceased family members. Sometimes I hear people doing that, and I kind of I understand what, where that sentiment is coming from. There's a little bit of pop theology out there that says, well, my brother died, my dad died because God needed another angel in heaven. No, in the midst of grief, in the midst of moments like that, may I say, your brother is still your brother and your father is still your father. Angels don't become humans and humans don't become angels. It's not an interchangeable state. One cannot morph into the other. Don't pray to humans or to angels. Scripture says there is one mediator who we pray to, one mediator between God and us, namely Jesus Christ. And Jesus' birth was for your brother's eternal destiny, for your father's personal de eternal destiny, as well as for the eternal destiny of each person gathered here today. That's who we pray to, the divine, the divine work and the divine person of God. I, um, I think the angels figured that out. And the divinity scene here in Luke 2. Because it must have been that all heaven was watching as that baby was born that, I don't know if it was night or in the morning, whenever Jesus was born. I don't know if angels breathe. I don't know how they talk. I've never met an angel. But if they have to have breath to, breathe, to talk, I don't know. But somehow or other, I, I just wonder. All of heaven knew that Jesus was about to be born. And was there a collected holding of breath in heaven at the moment of his birth? Kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. Look, don't look, look, don't look. And then he was born. And then the angels in the, sky, in the sky declare, In excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. And they are all watching that most important event of human history apart from the cross of Christ. The two pinnacles of human history, the coming of Jesus Christ, his death, and then, if you will, wrapped up into his resurrection. What was it like for them to watch? All heaven's attention on that event? <laughs> Did you know... That that same attention of heaven, that same angelic attention can be directed your way? Apparently, scripture tells us, apparently, that when we pray, God directs the forces of heaven our way. In Psalm 91, we read this. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands 
so that you will not strike your foot against a stone, you will tread on the lion, the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Uh, guarded in all your ways. I kind of needed that in the last few days. Just a wee bit, you could say. According to the doctors, way, way more than a wee bit, but nonetheless. There's a similar sentiment that's echoed on Hebrews chapter 1. It's a rhetorical question that in many ways, by, ans- by asking the question, we know that the answer is yes. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation? Are you in the room today and say, I've come to the place where Jesus Christ is in charge of my life and I'm going to inherit salvation? If that's the case, what are the angels for when it comes to you? They're to minister to you and to care for you. I've tried to instill this lesson. I've tried to get our kids to understand this um, when they were little and even now. We, We made it a habit regularly to pray with our kids. Every morning... Uh, when the kids would go to school, uh, if all four of us were home as they were getting on the bus, the bus usually came at about, I don't know, 7.30 or so, or if one of us was home, either adult was home, the habit was that we would gather in a circle and we would pray. And it was the responsibility of the adult to pray and say, God, thank you for our kids. Watch over them today. Put angels about the bus as they travel and as they go on to school and may they have a great day at school. They understood very clearly that we were praying to the Lord, but we were expecting that God's ministering angels were going to watch over them. It came into play for us also as a family when we would take trips, whether it was a trip to Chicago, a shorter trip, if you will, for a couple days, or, you know, Leslie's parents lived in North Carolina, we would go visit them, or my parents in Vancouver, B.C., we'd have to go on planes. Here's what would happen. You know, you put the kids in the van, you got all the luggage in the back, and you, you know, particularly when they're little, you're trying to figure out what, what are they going to play with on this trip. It's 14 hours, 15 hours to where mom and dad lived when you travel with that, kids like that. And, and so you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to keep them occupied? You got all that in the van. They're getting set in their seats, and uh, I would go throughout the house and unplug the computer, unplug the televisions, go down the basement and turn off the water, water uh, intake into the house and kind of make certain the house was settled and leave a few lights on, get in the garage, pull out of the garage, push the button on the car, and down comes the garage door. Does your garage door go like that does? I'm sure it does, right? Makes the noise it makes. And then we'd back out to the bottom of the driveway and we'd stop there. And I remember the thought, it happens all the time, even today as less than I, if we go somewhere, you pull down the bottom of the driveway and you look at the house and you go, God, keep it safe. Have you been there? Well, we'd echo that prayer for the kids to hear. We'd be in the van, the car is running, the motor is running, and Leslie or I would pray, Lord, the four of us were hatted out on this trip, wherever we're going. We're going to be gone a week. We're going to be gone three days. We're going to be gone 17 days. I don't know. But God, keep our house safe while we're gone. Watch over our home. Put your angels about it. And, oh, God, by the way, as we travel, we're going to drive, and then we're going to get a plane. Oh, God, we put angels about the vehicles that we travel in over the next three days, next 10 days. When the kids grew up and they went off to college, I hated it. I did. I hate, not that they were going to college, that was kind of cool. I hate that they left the house to do it, though. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, they got that panic. A parent has the panic when they, they or when they're 16. Oh, God, and they drive away from the house for the first time. What do you pray? 
God, put your angels about them. Watch over them. Not praying to the angels, but asking God to send ministering spirits. I don't pray to angels. I don't worship them either. But I do consider the focus of their worship. See, at the nativity scene in the sky over Bethlehem, they declared glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill to all. They got it. They figured it out. They knew what it was all about. I wish I'd sing this a little more regularly. Not just at Christmas time, but throughout the year. How come I only sing that at Christmas? I need to worship the Lord for the sake of His sent Son each and every day. I need to worship the Lord for the possibilities of my life and your life, not only for the past, but for the future, the possibilities of what can happen through our lives and the ways in which God can work in us. (laughs) I have um, cool things that happen in my life from time to time. I get to meet one-on-one with staff members. And um, a few weeks ago, Elaine Ransdell and I were down at a restaurant down on on the end of Pershing, Benny's Restaurant. You've been down there? I think it's really basically a, a... it's a bar, isn't it, I suppose, whatever it is. We're down there having lunch one day and, and um, kind of doing life and how's, how's it going in your job and how's it going in my job and doing that sort of stuff. And uh, a, a woman came over to, to wait on the table and asked us what we wanted to drink and what we were going to eat. And I don't know how the conversation came up, but it came out. She says, yeah, oh, no, I go to Resurrection Life Church. That's a great church. It's over there on McKinley. And, and uh, I, I'm, I said, oh, that's really cool. It, you know, Pastor Jack over there is a great guy. And, you know, you're getting, you're getting strong biblical teaching and that sort of stuff. And she says, oh, but you need to understand it's not always been that way. I said, what? And she says, well, uh, I'm real, fairly new to this Christian business. Oh, really? She says, I really only, and the language she used, if you're unfamiliar with this, she, the language she used, I've only come to Christ about three years ago. Oh, cool. Well, that's very cool. She says, I, it was really bad before that. Why is that? Well, I was a drug addict. That's the language. I was a drug addict for 20 years. And, I'm, and my life has changed so much because of meeting Jesus Christ and making a decision to walk with him and walk life and do life with him. And it's so much better. And what do you want to drink? And that's kind of what it was. And then off she went. And then she came back without the drinks, just back purposely to say, you know, I just want to say thank you for letting me tell you that story. I don't usually tell my customers that story, but it was really good for me to tell you that story. And (laughs) I thought, that lady's got a reason to be thankful, a reason to worship. And may I suggest to you today that all of us, regardless of how far from God we might have been or how far from God you might be today, not only in the past, but today you may be far off from the things of God and you're here because it's Christmas season and you're supposed to be here with your family. Okay, whatever the case may be, 
that shift that's available to us all, that point where we say, okay, I am now going to walk with Christ, and I don't maybe, I don't understand it now, maybe I didn't understand it then, but I do know this, it's worth digging into for all the possibilities of what may be ahead. And that's reason for worship. See, some two millennia ago, angels joined a cast of characters at the manger scene. And they announced God's arrival on earth through the work of Jesus Christ. And they did it through the medium of worship. And I would suggest that we can join them at the nativity scene and say, let us be people of worship as well. Let us be people who say, I will sing glory, glory aura, Garrett, glory, glory aura, whatever. I will worship God today and tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. And I will allow God to work in my life and I will join with the angels, the heavenly host, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to all on whom his favor rests. In that regard, would you consider singing this with me? And you need to sing with me because as you know, I don't ever sing by myself very well. So uh, maybe the guys, they're coming. They're, they're, okay, they're coming, good. We don't want Wayne to sing by himself. <laughs> Would you sing this with me? Oh, come, let us adore Him. figured out something that we're still trying to learn and that is how to be people who worship you 
for the coming of your son, Jesus Christ. And in the midst of our brokenness, um, Lord, there are folk in the room here today who've got stuff going on, or there's stuff going on in our world. Lord, we're aware of this plane that's gone down overnight and 162 people missing. And Lord, we think of those families and the struggles they face waiting to hear news and it's, it looks so bad. And there are points, Lord, in our own lives where we go, oh, it's just, it feels just as bad. And sometimes it is. And, and yet, Lord, there's this opportunity, this moment where, like that woman down just the road in Persia, who said, well, it was this way for 20 years, but you should see what it's like now. It's really good. God, we're looking for the good days. We're looking for the possible days of how, how sweet your presence is going to be in our lives through the work of your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, and then, Lord, for the protection you provide around us by your ministering angels. And so, God, hear our prayers this morning. Hear us as we strive to determine how to live our lives for you in the coming year in ways that... Reflect what the angels did. And we want to live in ways that glorify you. Not us, but glorify you. And so God, hear our prayers today from the depths of our souls saying, help us to live differently this year, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Friends, why remain standing this morning? I'd like to do this. Uh, we're we're going to sing. Uh, uh, the worship team is going to lead us in another song, uh, declaring what we believe as the people of God. And as we sing this song, some leaders from the church will be here at the front. We'd love to have a prayer with you. If you're here today and you're in a setting where you go, it's just really crummy right now, or it's really good right now, but regardless of the extremes of that um, continuum, I want to be a people of worship and I want to be a person of worship and I want to be someone who comes to God and asks God to watch over me. If you would like to have a prayer like that, we'll be here. We'd like to pray with you. Or if you're here today and you go, Wayne, all this stuff you've talked about is really kind of odd to me and a little bit out there and a little bit far away from where I am, but I realize I got to do something different in terms of moving forward and making a shift in my life. I'd like to at least figure out where Jesus Christ is in that. If we'd like to have a chat and a prayer about like that, we'd like to invite you to come forward as well. They're going to lead us. You all are going to sing. A few of us will be here praying. Let's continue to be people of worship today.